Santa. Having a time. I came here last evening and walked in and I liked what I heard and I liked what I felt. And it just kept picking up momentum all through the service. And Brother Bear last night just about got us in orbit. Praise God. It's an honor to share this ministry with him. Shared convention in San Jose, California three years ago last month. Brother Gutierrez's church there and I just appreciate him. Uh, Brother Bear's got it over me. He can seem to store it up here. I have to put mine in notes. <laughs> if I just try to stash it up here, it seemingly it, it leaks out or I forget it, it gets away. And I appreciate his keen mind. But I've over the years put mine back here and then I can kind of go back because I can't contain it all up here. But I came here very serious. I woke up about three o'clock this morning with a heavy burden. Slept little since. Came here early to be with God. I feel God wants to talk to us today. There's a hunger here. Praise God. I'm sure that after this camp meeting is over, maybe after the service today and tomorrow, because the Bible said there's nothing new under the sun, I'm sure somebody will come around and say, Brother Munchie, just a few days ago I preached it just like that, or uh, just a couple of months ago I was somewhere and somebody preached it just like that. But I, I'm going to do something here today and tomorrow that I've never done before. And I've never heard anybody else. But back around January or February at the church in prayer, I felt that inspiration God began to drop something into my heart and into my mind. Praise God. And I want to talk today about the seven pillars of wisdom that make a strong Christian life. And tomorrow I want to talk about the seven pillars of wisdom that make a strong Christian ministry. Praise God. And I'm sure that there's many directions that we could go, but I want to go the way I felt the Holy Ghost led me. I want to give it to you like I felt God gave it to me. And I'm sure prayer and Bible study and worship and jumping and shouting and all that will be incorporated uh, in our teaching today and tomorrow. But I want to deal today about some relationships, some pillars of relationship that you must put into your Christian life if you're going to stand, if you're going to last, if you're going to make it. Now, I'll read our verse, and then I'll make our introductory remarks, and then I want to come back and start. Praise God. 
I want to take my time. I don't want to get too carried away here. In the ninth chapter of Proverbs, verse 1, wisdom hath builded her house. She hath hewn out her seven pillars. She hath killed her beast. She hath mingled her wine. She hath also furnished her table. And she has sent forth her maidens. She crieth upon the highest places of the city. And everybody said, Praise the Lord. Here in chapter 9 of the book of Proverbs, the wise man is concluding his division in which he is giving instruction to his sons, which covers from chapter 2 to chapter 9. And here he contrasts between wisdom and folly what wisdom does and what folly, folly does. In the first three verses here, we see wisdom building her house, hewing out seven pillars. Wisdom is seen as being a provider, providing for her table, and as inviting guests to her banquet or her celebration. And in verse 1, he tells us that wisdom hath builded her house, that she hath hewn out her seven pillars. I notice here today that God does not necessarily tell us what those seven pillars are. He seems to leave that up to us. For you and I to think, to muse, to meditate, to consider what those seven pillars that wisdom hews out and puts into her house. Wisdom then is a builder. It does not take a whole lot of sense to tear up anything. You don't have to have a whole lot of sense to tear up something. As dumb as I am, I could tear up a car engine but I'd be a poor thing to try to put one back together. Praise God. Everybody said praise the Lord. Praise Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wisdom builds well. She builds strong. She builds her house to stand. She builds her house to last. She builds it to endure the storms, the winds, the floods, the trials, the challenges, the test. I want to tell you today, church, you better build something so it'll stand. You better build an experience that'll weather the storm. Praise God. We've got the right foundation. We better build out of the right material. Praise God. Numbers in the Bible are significant. They are ever supernatural in divine and spiritual insignificance. 
One is the number of God. Two is the number of division. Three is the number of manifestation. Four is the number of earth. Five is the number of grace. Six is the number of man. Seven is the number of perfection, completeness, dispensational fullness. Eight marks a new beginning. Nine is the number of finality or judgment. Ten is the perfection of divine order. Eleven is the number that marks disorder, chaos, confusion. And twelve marks governmental completeness. Praise God. Wisdom builds her house. She puts seven pillars. She completes it. She builds it stout. She builds it strong. She builds it so it will last. Praise God. A pillar is used to support a building. It's used to hold up. It's used to undergird. It's used to strengthen. It's used to hold together. Praise God. The pillars are the study is the strength of the building. Praise God. Our Samson alone told the lad when the Philistines had gathered and they brought him out to make sport, said, just lead me to where the pillars are. Hallelujah. I want to tell you this morning, United Pentecostal Church, the devil's going to try to pull the pillars out of your life. I don't care how much you shout and dance and how many times you run the aisles. If you don't put some pillars in the foundation of your life, in your Christian experience, it'll fall in. Praise God. Hallelujah. Unless this morning that I would sound negative and like I'm a pessimist, I want to open this that God's going to rapture a church. Praise God. This church, this apostolic Jesus name, one God church, is not some kind of a sickly, puny, anemic, limp-wristed something. God's got a strong church. He's got a militant church. He's got a progression church. He's got a growing church. He's got a thriving church. My God, I'm glad I'm part of it. I'm going to tell you there's going to be some folks the church ain't backslid but there's going to be some folks backslide out of the church there's going to be some folks go to hell that don't need to go to hell there's going to be some folks lose out that don't need to lose out praise God and they're going to lose out. They're going to miss it because they never put some things into their life, 
into their experience that made it stout, that made it strong, that made it durable, that made it where it would stand, where it would last. Praise God. I come up here to preach today. Hallelujah. I see some of our precious folks here this morning. Council Grove. But I believe there's some folks that's passed through the altars the last time in Council Grove. I want you to know this wishy-washy, this in and out, this off and on, this coming and going, this hitting and missing. Praise God. It's on its way out. Where you want to come and talk in tongues and then play footsie with the world, all that junk's out. Where you want to come and run the aisles and then backbite and criticize and run the preacher down, all that's out. Praise God. We are living this morning in the time that the tree's being shook. Hallelujah. God's promise that he would not only shake the heaven again, but he would shake the earth also. That that which can be moved would be moved. I'm going to tell you, if you can be shook, you're going to be shook. If you can be moved, you're going to be moved. If you can be uprooted, you're going to be uprooted. If you can be turned around, you're going to be turned around. If you can get become discouraged about your church and living for God, you're going to get discouraged about your church and living for God. Oh, but I'm preaching to somebody that's going to start hewing out some pillars. Somebody's going to start digging in. Somebody's going to hammer out a consecration. My God, somebody's going to saw them out of backbone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm preaching to somebody that's getting a made up mind. Live or die, seek or swim, survive or perish. I'm going to make it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm preaching to somebody that's tired of being flimsy. Tired of being defeated. Tired of being down the dumps.
not having any power, any joy, any unction, any anointing, any stamina. to somebody that's going to get a hold of something. You're going to saw out something. You're going to hammer out something. You're going to build something. Or you're going to make something. Oh, it's the time of shaking. Hallelujah. It's the time of the winnowing. Hallelujah. He's going to blow the chaff away. I'm going to gather the wheat into his garner. Burn the chat with an unquenchable fire. It's the time when the axe is being laid at the root of the tree. Hallelujah. And every tree that doesn't bring forth good fruit's going to be hewn down. It's the time that he's going to move out of his kingdom everything that offends. And those that do iniquity, every rabble rouser, every hypocrite, every reprobate, Every troublemaker, every church straggler, every pastor fighter, every tithe fighter, every disgruntled. My God, the shaking's on. I'm feeling my Holy Ghost. I'm not feeding Cheerios, I ain't eating any this morning. It's been several days since I had any okra, but I'm feeling the charge of the Spirit of the living God. Hallelujah. Jesus said every plant that my heavenly Father hath not planted is going to be plucked up. Praise God. I want you to know this church is coming out of it. Hallelujah. We're going to have revival with a standard. We're going to have revival and preach against jewelry. We're going to have revival and preach against television. Praise God. We're going to have revival and preach against women cutting their hair. Against long hair on men 
and beards and goatees and mustaches. Hallelujah. Praise God. Are these seven pillars that mostly revolve around relationship? Revolve around our relationship with God. And then our relationship with our pastor. And then our relationship with the church and the saints. And then around our family and our home relationship. And then our personal holiness. Your personal holiness. Not your likes and dislikes. I may be jumping a little bit ahead, but Brother Munchie had a standard before I ever come to Kansas. I didn't change my colors. My wife took a wedding band off before we ever knew verbal being lived. Brother Bean's a great man of God. Praise God. I've never turned a television on in my life. I said I have never turned a television on in my life. Brother Westberg, I've stayed in a lot of motels. Plenty of them. After they took me back, Brother Bear, and they let me out for the night. I have never turned one on. I have never turned one off. Praise God. Hallelujah. David Gray come out in 1952 at the convention where I was ordained. And they just had a few flagpoles of rich folks that had a long pole and before they got scattered all over the country. But David Gray preached that out of me before I ever really looked at one. Praise God. Preacher Brother Munchie. Hallelujah. And then you got the community relationship. And then your own personal finances. I will may never get all through it all today. But we got to start somewhere. Praise God. Hallelujah. After you get saved and you get saved by repentance. By water baptism in Jesus' name, by the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Honey, if that crosses your theology, I'm sorry. You don't get saved by joining the church of your choice. You ain't got no choice. There is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. There is one Godless Father, all above all of through you all. There is one body and one spirit. It is your calling, one hope of your calling. There is just one church. Hallelujah. Praise God. Isn't it strange that it seems like some folks can get God? At least they talk in tongues. It seems like they shout a little bit. It seems like they run around the church a few times. It seems like they kick up their heels a little bit. 
But in just maybe a couple of three months, they're right back out there on the same old wreck. Back out there in the bar, back out there in the pool hall, back out there sipping on booze. Praise God. The Holy Ghost made a change in my life. If you really get it, it's going to make one in yours. Hallelujah. Praise God. But when you get the Holy Ghost, there's some things about cultivating a good walk with God, a good relationship with God, that's imperative if you're going to stick with God and you're going to stay with God and you're going to last with God. Praise God. My relationship with God involves my walk with God. The Bible said that Enoch walked with God. Begat sons and daughters some 300 years. Strange that some folks have a hard time staying saved from Sunday to Sunday. Some folks seem like can come on Sunday morning and can't hardly make it back for Sunday night. Let me tell you, church tracker, you're on your way out. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want you to know the midweek prayer meeting is important. The midweek Bible study is important. The midweek youth service is important. It involves my submission to him. It involves my obedience to him. My obedience to his word. It involves my dedication to his work. It involves my faithfulness to him. My faithfulness to his house. It involves my tithing. It involves my offering giving. Praise God. Paul said, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love. I believe God wants us to be dear saints, not problem saints. I want to say that again. I believe God wants us to be dear saints, not problem saints. I believe God wants us to be a good saint, not a problem saint. What kind of a man is a good man? I think he's a man that knows how to get up and go to work. I ain't got much use for him if he can't keep a job. I ain't got much use for him if he's lazy and don't try to get one. I might add to that, God ain't got much use for him. I won't charge you nothing for that. Praise God. I'm preaching to somebody here this morning. You think the world owes you a living. You need to change your thinking. 
You ought to learn how to roll out of the sack, how to get out and hit the sidewalk to find a job, how to go to work, and how to make a living, and how to provide. That's part of being a man. That's part of being a saint. That's part of being a husband. That's part of being a dad. Brother Westberg, I think a good man knows when to come home after he gets off of his job. Hallelujah! I think good saints ought to know when it's service time. Hallelujah! I don't think it's any uh, uh, good judgment to get so far out of wave that you can't get back for service on Sunday night. I think we ought to be good saints. I gotta get back to the house of God. I've gotta get back for worship. I've gotta help carry the load of the service. Your pastor needs you there. God needs you there. The saints need you there. The seeker needs you there. And good saints are going to be there. That's part of your relationship with God. Praise God. James said of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we might be the kind of first fruits of his creature having the right relationship with God. God wants me to be the kind of a man, the kind of a saint, the kind of a husband, the kind of a dad, the kind of a preacher that God wants me to be. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want you to know right now having the Holy Ghost doesn't set you foot loose and fancy free. Notice, the Taylor translation said that we became the first children of God's new family. The Phillips said that we should be the first specimens of the new creation. Hallelujah. The Amplified said we were to be a sample of that which he made to be consecrated to himself. You see, God wanted a people that would not just be hearers, but he wanted a people that would be doers. Just because it's preached in the word of God, we do it. Hallelujah. I'm not going to fuss with God on anything in his word. I've never yet been able to understand how anybody can sit around the church 15 or 20 years and have to be preached where to put the hymn line. I believe you ought to learn how to tie your shoe. I believe a man ought to learn how to comb his hair. I believe a child ought to learn how to brush their teeth. I believe being this family of God, being in the, 
of the family of God. There are just some things in our relationship that we learn to do. Praise God. He wanted a people swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. He wanted a people that would be holy without blame before him in love. He wanted a people that would have a willing obedience. He wanted a people that would love him with all their heart, all their mind, all their soul, all their strength. Praise God. He don't want somebody that's got to be coming have a primed every time they come to church of their battery charged. Come over, Brother Westberg, and get, bring your jumper cables and get me going. God wanted somebody with love in the heart, fire in the soul, with backbone, with determination, with desire. That would love him, that would obey him, that would honor him, that would serve him. Just to be the kind of a person, the kind of a saint that God wanted them to be. Praise God. Hallelujah. This next one here, your relationship with your pastor. I'm going to tell you the first ones to backslide are the ones that can't be pastored. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm going to say that again. The first ones to backslide are those that can't be pastored. I might as well tell you this morning, friend, if you can't be preached to by a preacher that's not afraid of you, you have little chance of ever being in the rapture. Hallelujah. I want to say some things here this morning. First of all, in defense of the ministry. There has been some men that failed. There has been some men that slipped. There has been some men that stumbled. There have been some men perhaps that were not all they could have been or not all they should have been. But so much for that. But it's been my privilege for over 30 years to rub elbows and bump shoulders with men that preach the glorious gospel of the blessed God. And I'm going to tell you about far and large, they're the finest men, saints of God, you're ever going to meet. They're the greatest men you're ever going to meet. They're men of dedication. They're men that's walked out 
and give up jobs, high-paying jobs, sold the house. I maybe crossed ocean, crossed state lines, went somewhere uh, to beat out and hammer out a work for the name of Jesus and the glory of God. Of uh, their men of dedication, their men of consecration, of uh, their men that's holy men of God. I want to get on it here this morning. Let me tell you, saint of God, the devil's got you going your way. If he can sour you and sour your relationship and turn you against your pastor. You ought to stomp on that spirit. You ought to stomp on that devil. You're not going to turn me against my shepherd. You're not going to turn me against my pastor. Listen, saint of God, don't you let your living room, don't you let your telephone, don't let your ears be a garbage can to hear your preacher, his family, and your church run down. Tell them hypocrites that want to do that, you haven't got time to listen to it. I'm feeling it right now. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. That man has labored. He has sacrificed. He has emptied his pocketbook. He has wore out automobiles. He's overtaxed his body, overtaxed his mind, uh, overdone himself, has went to bed, got up and went out to pray for you or somebody else and then have to come back and get up and go to work and then empty his pocketbook to keep the doors open. And then some mossback hypocrite want to come in and run him down. Praise God. Hallelujah. Good saints don't do that. Good saints love the pastor. Good saints respect the pastor's family. Oh, good saints are going to put that pillar of a good relationship in with them and their pastor. You don't build that, you're going to wind up a charismatic. You're going to wind up a reprobate. You're going to wind up in shipwreck. You're going to find up in false doctrine. You're one of them that God is going to move out of his kingdom and out from around his church. God hates that kind of a spirit. I'm going to tell you right now, there's a reason why that a lot of Pentecostal children are going to go to hell and be lost. Yeah. 
Now, some of you here this morning didn't hear Brother Elder's message. Some of you were probably at your motel room, some of you somewhere else. But if I remember right, they would have put this on the doorpost and on the gate. When they walk down the road, there's one God. When they come into the house, there's one God. When they sit down at the table, there's one God. When they picked up the napkin, there's one God. When they walk out the door, there's one God. Isaac, there's one God. Rebecca, there's one God. Shalom, there's one God. Jacob, there's one God. You know why we're losing them? They have heard rummed over preacher and run down saint and run down church. Uh, they've had to sit around the table and hear the preacher pick and the church pick and the saints pick and the man of God criticize. And if that's what it is, I don't want it. They've heard the wrong thing. I'm feeling my Holy Ghost here today. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now notice. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture said, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his hire. The word honor here comes from the Greek word to me, which means pay, price, remuneration. Let him be counted worthy of twice what he's getting. Heard about a deacon one time that prayed. He said, Lord, you keep him humble. We'll keep him poor. Keep him humble, Lord. We'll keep him poor. Can I say it, saint of God? Whatever your pastor gets, you consider he's worth twice what he's getting. God. He drives in a Cadillac just wish he could get him another one. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Let me tell you God honors him that honors him. And when you don't respect and honor the man of God, uh, you're building something that's going to crumble, uh, that's going to collapse, uh, that's going to cave in, uh, that's going to go down. Uh, the storms will blow it over. Sometimes silly, shallow-minded women
don't know much about God, don't have a whole lot of salvation, don't know much of anything about prayer, don't know how to walk with God, get jealous of a pastor's wife because she got a new dress or a new coat. I said she didn't have much Holy Ghost, much salvation, or much sense. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Good saints are going to be glad to see the man of God prosper. Because before he prospers, the church has got to prosper. Before he prospers, the saints have got to prosper. Before he can increase, the church has got to increase. And I've been married to the same old gal for 34 years. I told somebody some time ago we'd rather fight than switch. Rather fight than switch. Praise God. But I've learned some things that sometimes folks they won't say it to the man of God. But they'll get her over the kitchen and making peanut brittle. And they'll let out all the gripes and all the complaints and all the dissatisfactions and all the frustrations and all the aggravation of what they don't like. Why don't, where's all the money going? All we do is make peanut brittle and we never seem to have any money. Uh, dear God, if you'd go check the books, uh, it wouldn't be take you a little while to find out uh, where it's going. <laughs> but I'm saying all that to say this. Don't make your pastor's wife a whipping post. <laughs> Praise God. If you got something, come to the man of God. Be bold enough. I'll be courageous enough. Be man enough. I'll be woman enough. Don't take it out on my wife. Come and tell me about it. Praise God. Don't, dear God, let me have to come home and hear her whims and her crying. She's wounded. She's hurt. Pour that on my shoulder. It's cowardly. It's cowardly. Praise God. Brother Westberg, if there's something I don't like, I'm not going to tell Sister Westberg about it. I'm going to come to you. Brother Beckton, I'm not going to trouble your wife about it. I'll come to you, fellas. Praise God. 
I'm preaching to somebody from Council Grove. And there's something you got to gripe. Bring it to Lee J. Muncy. Don't take it to Evelyn Muncy. Praise God. You bring that where it belongs. Hallelujah. Praise God. My God, let's cultivate a relationship here. Let's esteem them that labor in the word and doctrine. Uh, let's honor them at their anniversary. Uh, let's honor them on their birthday. Uh, let's honor them at Christmas time. Uh, let's remember them. Build on that relationship. Praise God. The Amplified New Testament put Hebrews 13 and 7. Remember your leaders and superiors in authority. For it was they who brought to you the word of God. Observe attentively and consider their manner of living and the outcome of their well-spent lives. The attitude toward the ministry should be of honor. It should be respect. It should be regard. It should be consideration. It should be submission. It should be obedience. It should be loyalty. It should be love. It should be kindness. It should be appreciativeness. It should be thankfulness. Praise God. Let them know, saint of God, that you appreciate them. Hallelujah. If you're here this morning, you've not been saved but six months or six weeks or six days. Every once in a while, come around and let your pastor know you're behind him. Back him up when he's preaching the word of God. Say amen to the word of God. Back him up on the standard. Hallelujah. Cultivate a good relationship with the man of God. It's imperative to your salvation. It's imperative to the salvation of your children. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, cultivate good relationships. Praise God. I'll get on it tomorrow, but preachers, you better cultivate good relationships. I'll get back off that because I want to get on that one tomorrow. House got quiet. Praise God. Listen to the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. I am become a fool in glory. You made me have to do a foolish thing. Note he said, ye have compelled me. 
for I ought to have been commended of you. In chapters 12 and 13 of the second letter to the Corinthians, he mentions the words folly, foolish, foolishly, some seven times. Bear with me in my folly. Am I become a fool in glory? Grab onto your seat, honey. It's foolish for anybody to say that I'm not a whit behind the chiefest of apostles. It's foolish for any preacher to have to get up and say, I'm as good as they come. I'm as good as Peter. John's not got anything on me. Peter's not got anything on me. Matthew's not got anything on me. But here was a limp-wristed, carnal, spiritually immature church that never come to that man of God's defense. And he had to defend himself. My God had to do a thing that was foolish. I've been in stripes without number. I've been locked up. I've been beaten. You made me become a fool in glory. You compel me. You should have defended me. You should have told that bunch of fellows that come down there, listen, uh, that man of God has been in the deep a night and a day. Uh, that fellow's been beaten with rods. Uh, that man has sent out aprons and handkerchiefs and folks has been healed. Uh, don't tell us that he's not got the goods. Praise God. Church, come to the defense of your pastor. Come to the defense of him. Now this is good preaching. Brother Monty said it was. Nothing would be dumber than for me to get up and say I'm as good as any preacher in the UPC. Praise God. But in essence, that's what Paul had to do. You made a fool out of me. You made me do foolish things. You compelled me. You wouldn't stand up for me, so I had to defend myself. I'm talking about building pastoral relationships. This carnal bunch down at Corinth got puffed up at him. He's afraid to come down here and take us on, so he's sending Timothy. He don't want to show up down here. He wasn't afraid of nobody down there. Praise God. Oh, don't let your relationship sour between you and your pastor. Praise God. Well, Brother Munchie, what if he sets me down? Just say, Brother Westberg or Brother Dudley or Brother Elder, where do you want me to sit at and how long?
I was coming to your church, Brother Westberg, and you said, Brother Munchie, you, you got to sit down. I'd say, where and how long? I'm going to sit right here till you tell me I can get up. And when I get back up, I'm going to love you just like I did before you set me down. I'm going to respect you just like I did before you set me down. I'm going to honor you like I did before you set me down. What are you doing? Cultivate. Good relationship. It's imperative. Praise God. Be generous with words of kindness. You see, he's going to be generous with them toward you. You be generous with them toward him and his. Praise God. He's going to be there when you need him and you be there when he needs you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. I appreciated our church in Council Grove very much. Got some wonderful people. Some of the riffraff is going to float on downstream. The other day, one of the brothers is fixing to leave on vacation. He come and looked me up in the house and he left his tithe. I appreciated that. But then he forgot that Sunday was the first and that was our missionary Sunday. So he came the next day, I think it was, and met me as I was coming out of a donut shop. He said, I forgot something. Forgot that missionary offering. They're picking up on some things. Some of them is going to float downstream, but some of them are solidifying in. Our offering Sunday morning of about 50 or so people, 300 and some odd dollars. I not only preach it, I practice it. Don't don't preach anything, honey, you don't practice. Let me jump ahead, preacher. If you don't pay tithes of the district, don't you rope on it too heavy around the home. You'll be back tomorrow. Praise God. I'm from this very platform, Brother Beckton, I told you last year that my ties would be in. You're here to, to say whether they have or haven't. I don't preach anything I don't practice. That's hypocrisy. Praise God.
You got to cultivate good relationships with the saints. Someone other saint, we got to learn how to bump elbows and bump shoulders and, and rub elbows and, uh, and uh, work in close proximity. We got to learn to get along. Somebody said to be with the saints and uh, up above, that will be glory. But to live with the saints below, that's another story. <laughs> to be with the saints up above, that will be glory. But to get along with them down here, well, that's another story. to some way build that pillar of relationship in your experience. And all in the world that you got to do is get the love of God set abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost where you love people, where you appreciate people, where you can honor folks. There's a lot of things, saints, that come up among us that would never even come up if there was real Christian love. If everybody preferred one another in brotherly love, if everybody esteemed others better than themselves, we wouldn't fuss over who plays the organ or who plays the piano. Who's the Sunday school superintendent? Who's the young people's leader? Who's the ladies auxiliary president? It would stop that fussing. It would stop that carnality. It would stop that shallow living. Praise God. Put a stop to that. Everybody just simply loved one another. He that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? We know we have passed from death unto life because we speak in tongues. We know we have passed from death unto life because we run the aisles. We know we have passed from death unto life because we dance in the Spirit. We know we have passed from death unto life because we shout. No, no, we know we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. Praise God. I'm on it. I want to tell you right now, the issue of the last days is not necessarily going to be standards. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many. The issue of these last days is who is going to keep his warm and affectionate brotherly love. 
Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Brother Khan, I want to be able to disagree, but stay agreeable. Come on, preacher, don't you sit on me. I'm not going to boycott a brother's fellowship meeting or a brother's church. He don't want to shake my hand. He'll be the one that has to walk off the other side. I ain't. Praise God. You see, if you don't love me, you got the problem. But if I don't love you, I got the problem. You hate my guts, that's your problem. I hate your guts, that's my problem. Somebody don't like me, that's their problem. I don't like them, then it's my problem. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. I find out maybe that me and you disagree on a certain point of doctrine. I'm not going to stay on because it's your time for a fellowship meeting. I'm going to be there. I'm going to respect your pulpit. I'm going to respect your saints. I'm going to respect your convictions. And I'll be able to do that and preach anything I want to preach. It's hard to stay off the next to tomorrow's sermon. But I want you to know right now the pulpit's no place to grind axes and pick holes. Oh, this is good preaching. Hallelujah. Be a kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Even as God hath for Christ's sake forgiven you. Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. As I have loved you. God, you're going to have to help me. You're going to have to help me for me to love my brother like you love me, God. I'm just not going to be able to do that, God, in my own human. I'm going to have to have the Holy Ghost living on the inside of me, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, God, give us a magnanimous spirit. Let us be big enough in spirit, big enough in mind, big enough in heart to, to some way overlook somebody's flaw, somebody's shortcoming. Uh, I may be somebody that's not quite all they ought to be and go on and love them and love God and let the pastor and the, uh, the Word of God work on them. Oh, I'm not coming back to stand. No, the standard ain't going down because there's two or three, three folks, the pastor hasn't got up to standards yet. Uh, 
he's not compromising. He's trying to save them. He's trying to help them. He's not lowering the standard. He's just simply being patient and understanding of trying to work with them till he gets them up to it. But don't you get sour and disgruntled and want to change churches or stay home and pout. You get out there and love them folks and shout and dance and run the aisles and pray for them and pray for the man of God till they're brought up to standard. Oh, somebody came and their standard I know is going down. No, no, no. It's not going down. Your pastor's not a compromiser. He's only trying to help somebody. Praise God. Some folks are a little slower than others. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh dear God, that's where it comes in because iniquity shall abound the love of many. Well, nobody else does. Why should I? Because you want to be saved. That's why. You want to be in the rapture. That's why. You want to go when Jesus comes. That's why. I'm not going to disfellowship the United Pentecost Church because every preacher don't agree with everything that I believe. There's ain't a bunch of compromisers. No, sir. Stay with your church. Stay with your church. I want to tell you right now, saints, these church floaters... I don't see so much of it in Kansas, but in California, around metropolitan areas, that's about all that some preachers has is a bunch of floaters. Getting some amens on that in. Praise God. Hallelujah. Somebody said in Houston, Texas, they don't backslide there, they just change churches. Somebody else told me about going out into uh, another major metropolitan area and ask about it, and he just sort of told him it's open season. Just get whoever you can get. Good saints have a church home. Good saints don't float around all over town from church to church. Good saints, get in a church, get behind the pastor, let the pastor develop them, let the pastor perfect them, let the pastor establish them. They don't float around all over town. Praise God. And any time they leave brother so-and-so's at Kalamazoo in a bad spirit, they're not going to wind up with brother so-and-so's and Timbuktu and a good one. You leave Kalamazoo wrong, you're going to wind up in Timbuktu wrong. 
That same old hypocrite that left Kalamazoo will be the same old hypocrite when they get to Timbuktu. That same old rabble-rouser in Kalamazoo will be the same old rabble-rouser in Timbuktu. That same old troublemaker in Kalamazoo will be the same old troublemaker when they get to Timbuktu. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, listen, saint of God, you got the best pastor in town. You got the best pastor in town. You got the best church in town. You're the people of the name. You're apostolic. You're one God. You're Jesus' name. You're worthy worship God in spirit and in truth. Stay by your pastor. Or stay by your church. Be loyal to the pastor. Be loyal to your church. Don't be one of those, well, we just sort of felt the good spirit was leading us over to brother so-and-so's tonight. Whatever kind of a spirit that led them wasn't the right kind of a spirit. I'm going to tell you right now, saint of God, the real spirit of God, the real Holy Ghost, will lead you back to your home church on Sunday night. The real Holy Ghost will lead you to your home church on Sunday morning. The Holy Ghost won't send you church shopping on Sunday morning. You and your tithes and your offerings belong in your home church. Praise God. Hallelujah. Cultivate good relationships. Praise God. Be loyal and faithful to your church. Be loyal and faithful to your pastor. I'd rather somebody, even though maybe they didn't make a whole lot of noise, if they was trustworthy, if they were loyal, if they were dependable, if you could trust in them and count on them, if you knew they were going to be behind you. Hallelujah. I'd rather have somebody like that than somebody that makes a big storm and a big hullaboo and three or four weeks to sour at you. They don't want to be kind. They sit on the back seat, come late, leave early, don't want to shake hands, sour, bring an old sour, disgruntled spirit to church. Dear God, you try to get up so, a little move of the Holy Ghost and somebody's sour, somebody's unhappy, somebody's disgruntled, somebody's crosswired, somebody's haywire, somebody's out of sorts. I'm going to tell you right now, good saints, don't live on that carnal plane. Praise God. 
your relationship. Praise God. Your relationship with God, your relationship with your pastor, relationship with your church. I got a good minister friend out in California. Told me that one year he'd pick a lady from one side and so his church is kind of split down the middle. And so when he picked that lady from that side, well, those that would kind of from that side would cooperate that year. And so then he would shift it the next year and he would pick another lady from this other side. And so then those folks on that side, they'd cooperate and the other folks would set it out. We need everybody pulling. We need everybody there. We need everybody praying. Hallelujah. Oh, that message last night. Come in, Jesus. Welcome, Jesus. We need everybody there in one mind. We need everybody there in one accord. Everybody there in one heart. Everybody there in one soul. Everybody there with one thing in mind. And that's to some way allow the Holy Ghost to move in our midst. That somebody can find God. Somebody can get the Holy Ghost. We don't need folks there cross-wired, out of sorts, fussing, fighting, backbiting, devouring, sitting on the preacher. Bring me a chair, would you, brother? Praise God. Hallelujah. He gets up to lead the service. I'm letting the Holy Ghost kind of lead me. Don't want to sing. Don't want to get in the service. Cross their arms and cross their legs. Look at the ceiling. Thinks he's going to get me to get with it. He's got a thing coming. Everybody raise your hand. Everybody praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Good saints don't do that. That's carnal, fleshly, hellish, devilish, sinful, wrong, worldly. You'll never build something the devil can't blow down living like that. You'll never be rapture ready living like that. Uh, you'll never win people to God living like that. Uh, you'll never save your lost family living like that. Uh, you'll never help build a church living like that. Praise God. God wants a church that knows what they're there for. Why they're there. Who's there? What's going on there? What they're supposed to do since they're there. Praise God. And here's 
if you don't build on this one. A thousand times a day across America, the judge's gavel slams on the desk and says, divorce granted. Praise God. Isn't it sad that folks claim the Holy Ghost, talk in tongues, and some or another never learn to pray their differences through. Never learn to seek help and counsel from men of God that could help them iron out those problems and those turbulences. Praise God. Hallelujah. The devil wants to get you in a bad mood about an hour before church time. He wants to get you husbands and wives to have a big old fuss about an hour before church time. He wants to get you in a family squabble about an hour before church starts. He wants to get you women to where you're about ready to pull your hair out about an hour before time to go to church. Where you're screaming and yelling mad at the kids. You're tempted to stay home. You feel like you've been run over and wrung out? You won't be worth nothing when you get there. You can't put nothing in it, and you know you ain't going to get much out of it. I heard about one woman told her kids one time, you kids stay out of my way today. I'm just barely saved. Just barely got it today. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let me tell you, Mom, it's no burden to get that baby ready to come to the house of God. I'm seeing Pentecostal mothers come to church and leave their kids home with an unsaved father. Uh, you're telling them hell straight ahead. You're telling them hell straight ahead. If that child senses that getting him ready and bringing him into the house of God is a burden on you, an aggravation and a frustration to you, you're telling him hell straight ahead. Praise God. I've been telling my little Sam, my little grandson, we don't have to go to church. We get to go. We get to go. Brother Con, I didn't have to come to camp meeting. I got to come. Oh, hallelujah. You didn't just have to get the Holy Ghost. God said you could have it. Praise God. Hallelujah. There's a lot of folks 
you see, that don't build on that family relationship. Strong church is made up of strong families. Praise God. I cannot understand some limp-wristed men that's got a good stance, strong wife, and they don't have much more backbone than a potato vine. Woman that wants to live for God and they don't have enough guts, they don't have enough gumption, they don't have enough determination to get in there and hack it. Can't stay away from Copenhagen and Budweiser. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm preaching to some limp-wristed man here today. I'll let God make a man out of you. I'll let God put some backbone in you. I'll let God put some stamina in you. I'll let God put some fortitude in you. Quit dragging your feet. Quit dragging your feet. I don't know if I want to go tonight or not. Dear God, I be a man. I'm going. I'm going. Get ready, woman. I'm going. I get ready, kids. We're going. Some limp-wristed, spineless, somebody, no gumption. Don't want to be a man for God. Praise God. Kind of quiet right now. Hallelujah. Shame on men that won't live for God. Shame on people who get the Holy Ghost and then let the devil drive them in the doldrum of despair and backslide and go back out in the world. It'll be 37 years this coming December since I came to God as a 17-year-old kid. It's ironic. The preacher that preached the sermon, the night I come to God, lost out. My uncle Mark had been baptized that afternoon. Uncle Mark died lost. I got under deep conviction at his baptismal service. If they'd have given all their call then, I'd have probably went, but I came to church that night. Uncle Mark's son, Tommy Allen, was sitting by me. And the young lady that came when they said, do you want prayer? And Tommy and I raised her hands. And the young lady came, Linda Jean Weld, and she was backslid in six months. The pastor lost out. My uncle lost out. The girl that invited us to the altar lost out. And Tommy never came back. We got up from the altar that night, Brother Westberg, Tommy and I were about the same age. We went back and warmed our hands with a fire. And Tommy said, let's go outside and take a smoke. And I shook my head, no. I ain't smoked one since. That'll be 37 years this coming December. I've had weak times. I've made mistakes. But I never entertained a thought to go back. 
I've had some ups and downs. I've had some trials. But I never did consider going back on God. Dear God, that ought to be something that never comes in your mind is backsliding. A backsliding is not the answer to any problem you've got. Backsliding is not going to cure your marital problems. A backsliding is not going to take care of your financial problems. A backsliding is not going to take care of your children problems. A backsliding is not going to take care of your job problems. Praise God. Come on, Dad. Come on, Mom. Get them kids and get to the house of God and let God help you weather the storm. Could you pour me a glass of water? Praise God. Family. Hallelujah. My God. Divorce comes to sometimes one in three, one in four marriages. More children are separated by divorce than by any other cause or reason. Praise God. We don't love into bliss. We do not live on love. A happy marriage involves work, hard work, strenuous effort. Behind every strong, successful marriage is hard work, sweat, tears, prayers, restraints, patience, discipline, understanding, continuous efforts on the part of both partners to make it work. Somebody wrote and asked Abby, how do you make a good marriage great? She said, easy, just work like a dog at it. Just work like a dog at it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Everybody praise the Lord while I get me a drink of water here. Okay. Hallelujah. Somebody said if you keep courting in marriage, you'll keep the marriage out of court. Let me give you that one again. If you'll keep courting in marriage, you'll keep the marriage out of court. Hallelujah. Let me tell you why something. Give that man something to come home to. Wives, give that man something to come home to. Don't let him to have to come home to a disaster area. I went to see some folks one time, and I don't want to exaggerate, but it seemed like the newspaper was nearly half knee deep. You, you, you just waited kind of through it and stepped over it. I've been on the men a little while. Let me tell you, lady, you women create the atmosphere of your house. You create the spirit and the atmosphere of your home. 
If you make it chaotic, it'll be chaotic. If you make it love and peace, it'll be that way. If that man's got to come home to your bellyache, if he's got to come home to your gripe, if he's got to come home to your complaint and your frustrations, uh, you're creating a chaotic. And he'll get where he would rather not come home to that. He'll get tired of that. That man works hard to provide for you. You a roof over your head, food on the table, a place to eat, a place to live, a place to sleep. He's got to go out there and beat the bush. He's got to go out there on a hard job with a hard nose boss and rough guys on the job. Uh, when he comes home, uh, let him come home to tenderness. Uh, let him come home to love. Let him come home to patience. Now, you can shout all you want to. But when this goes apart... When it goes apart. And while I'm on it, let me tell you, young lady, let me tell you, young man, before you run and jump off of lover's leap, before you run and jump off the matrimonial bridge, you better look where you're jumping. Uh, Brother Bear, we hear this in these days. Ah, I just fell in love. I just fell in love. Dear God, people break shoulders, break arms, break legs, break necks, falling. When you start falling, you better look where you're falling. You may break your neck falling in love. Praise God. Let's back up. That's why you better cultivate this good relationship with a pastor. He's on top of the wall. He sees what you don't see. He knows what you don't know. He's working with a spirit and an attitude you may not be aware of. He sees the laziness in him. He sees the pride and the vanity in her. He knows the stubborn streak that runs up and down her spine. He knows the worldly attitude. He knows he's lazy and won't work. He'll leave you rocking the cradle, housed up in some cockroach flea-ridden apartment waiting on the next welfare check.
Holly's out for the next challenge. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Look for one to praise. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you don't pray, she don't pray. And young lady, he may be one of those who seek and sell and not necessarily salvation. He may be after a gal and not really after God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Isn't it strange that some of these folks, uh, they think that marriage is a panacea for all of life's ills and all of life's woes and all of life's problems. She's so lazy, she won't get up, she won't make up a bed, she couldn't cook a meal, she couldn't clean up a table, she couldn't tend to a baby, she couldn't put out a washing, she couldn't run a dryer, she couldn't fold up clothes. She don't do no good at home. She don't do no good at school. Uh, she's no count nowhere. But she's got the idea she can just get married. That'll cure all of her woes. That's a panacea. That'll take care of it all. But she brings that same old lazy, that same old slowful, attitude right into her marriage and it's headed for the rocks before it really gets off to a good start. He won't work. He couldn't get a job. He wouldn't know what to do with it if he did. He couldn't hold on, but he's got an idea if he can just get married. That'll straighten him out. He brings that same old lazy, that same old slowful, that same old indolent, that same old nonchalant, and first thing you know, he's got to live off of in-laws. Now this is good preaching. I got a few minutes here. Praise God. Let me tell you, church, you better work on these relationships. Praise God. Better work on it. And then this personal holiness. I was out knocking on doors in our little town a few weeks back, not very long ago. That made several trips that I had been to that house. And But that particular occasion, I 
was told in so many words, they did use those exact words that I was wasting my time. I just just got the brush off. I got out to the car and kind of walked, and I was dusting my shoes off as I was walking. Stepped in that old long brown Lincoln and before I closed the door. She had been in our church some odd years ago, but let me know she faked it. Never did really have it, never did really believe it, just pretended it. If you are only a pretender, If you're only riding on somebody else's push or somebody else's thrust, you are on your way out. You will never make it. If you're just going along for the ride, praise God. I'm glad that God saved me when I was a teen. I told you about the man that preached a sermon that lost out, and then I was under another man for a while. I was under two different men. You can tell that I never got very much. But I worked in a home missions church. I was the only teenage young person there. There was the pastor was the only Holy Ghost filled man and five or six old women. I'd preach my little sermon, Brother Westberg. I'd hug the pastor's neck and shake hands with that bunch of old women. I wanted me a girlfriend so bad. I wanted one of them pretty little things so bad I couldn't understand it. I was so ugly and red-faced and freckled they wouldn't look the second time at me anyway. Polish Job's turkey. If I had been dependent on the Friday night weenie roast, if I had been depending on the Friday night church social, if I had been depending on the Friday or the Saturday night young folks' outing, I'd have never made it. Brother Elder, under that old greasy tent, the Holy Ghost came down and touched my soul as I preached my little old shallow 10 or 15 minute sermon. Praise God. I learned something about God. He put something in me that gave me my own conviction. I got church going convictions. I don't believe you can go to churches whenever you feel like it or whenever you get ready. I want to tell you about holiness standards. You may take a vacation from your job. You don't take a vacation from your standards. 
You may get out of town, you may get out of state, but you don't get away from your convictions. Daniel got out of Israel, Daniel got out of Jerusalem, he got over in Babylon, but he never laid down his convictions. Now, if you don't get some all your own, you'll never make it. Young people here today, you may ride on mom and daddy's push, but if you don't get some personal convictions of holiness all your own, there will be a day that you'll cast it off. There will be a day that you'll reject it. There will be a day that you'll jettison it. There will be a day you'll throw it off. I don't want it. I never did believe it, and I'm not going to hold on to it any longer. But, oh, I'm glad this morning the Holy Ghost will give us convictions. <laughs> Praise God. Young people, it'll give you convictions about worldly sports. Oh, it's getting quiet right now, but I want you to know the Holy Ghost convicted me about worldly sports. I got the Holy Ghost. I quit going to school ball games. Oh, you're kind of quiet right now. We got some out in California that's a teaming up out there. <laughs> it's a good way to get a carnal spirit in your young people. One church I'm well acquainted with out there, they had the, the girls with the bomb, the, the bomb bombs, or what are them, the, the pom poms. I don't think the Holy Ghost motivated, I think it was the flesh. Let me tell you, we better watch it. Or the devil will come at us from our blind side and will wiggle his way in. I quit bowling alleys. I quit roller skating rinks. If you're here from Council Grove, please don't come and ask me if we can rent an older skating rink to take everybody down there because we ain't doing it. I've not heard nobody preach against that since I've been back here. I, I, I didn't get a set when I got back here. I had a set before I ever got here. And we're quiet. Praise God. Oh, I'd rather take our young people to visit a revival somewhere. I'd rather take them to a fellowship meeting somewhere. I'd rather take them to a rally somewhere. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. 
I know one place or the pastor, it rubs, uh, it raised some eyebrow, eyebrows. He was out there skating and holding one of his young people's hands. Oh, it made him mad when somebody mentioned something about it. It didn't look so good. You hear me, preacher? You can get swept up in that. Now, I just have some personal views. Praise God. You don't go off on the summer vacation. And when you get up to Grandma somewhere and you get up to Grandpa somewhere, you dress out in slacks or you dress out in swimming suits or you dress out in shorts. And I, I, when you get away, that you, you just kind of take a vacation from your standards and, and a vacation from your convictions. You, you just kind of laid the job down and, and you thought you could lay your conviction down for a couple of weeks. But I'm going to tell you, honey, it don't work that way. There's no discharge in this warfare. Some way or another, there's folks that live around us, and they're going to watch us. Went out to California around the 1st of April to move Mike back. Went there where I pastored for 19 years, and walked out of the store that's diagonally across from the church and up came a mistress, she's a sister Smith now but they live next door to us south and they were not the most desirable neighbors but we lived there probably eight or nine years beside of them almost all of them are in the church On the other side of me, on the north side, lived a Mexican fellow by the name of Tony Sanchez. I lived with Tony 13 and a half years. And I was leaving there, putting my house up for sale. Pastored in that little old village 19 years. And lived with Tony 13 and a half. Tony's dead now. But he walked over there by the fence few days before we left and he said Lee he said I have to say you've been a good neighbor moved into Red Bluff California and bought the former pastor's home Butch and Becky Trim lived next door there and I don't know what the problem had been but they didn't like my predecessor One day I was out in our backyard and Becky was out in her back and a six, about a six foot fence between us but she let me know that their Sundays was taken up. They were motorcycle riders and they were CBers and 
And she was telling me in so many words she did not want me bugging them about coming to church. You see, I wasn't dumb. It come through loud and clear. She was just letting me know that that didn't want me over there every Saturday trying to get them to come to Sunday school. Had a little boy named Jimmy, 11 years old, I guess. One day, Mike backed out over Jimmy's bicycle. It was probably as much on our property as it was on Butch's, but all beside the point. I told my class, I think it was maybe last Sunday or Sunday before I about it. I, in my mind, I can see Jimmy Trim crying, squalling, going into the house. But his father, Butch, never come to the door and never came to the window to look out. I walks out, and I look at the bicycle, and I said, Mike, take it to the bicycle shop. Have it fixed. It cost Pastor Munchie just $28, I think it was, to get a new wheel and what have you. I walked over, and I knocked on the door. Butch had never came to the door, had never looked out the window to see what had happened when his little boy went in crying. I knocked on the door, and Butch come to the door. I said, Butch, Mike run over Jimmy's bicycle. I've sent him to the shop to have it fixed. He said, I knew you'd do the right thing. You see, somebody's watching us. Don't you go down and testify to the man that you beat out of the grocery bill. Don't you go witness to the landlord when you won't pay your rent. You're wasting your time, honey. You're wasting your time. He's going to look beyond that whatever you've got to say. And he's going to know that there's some things that really down deep inside of you that's really not altogether right, that's not altogether straight. Somebody's going to watch you. Praise God. How are you going to let your light shine? The best way I know is pay the man you owe. Me going down there shouting around, talking in tongues, and, and a carrying on to him isn't going to do him much good. It's going to be whenever that I'm honest, that I'm above board, I'm straight. That's how I'm going to let my light shine. I'm renting a man's house. I'm going to pay my rent. I'm going to take care of his property. I'm not going to kick holes in the door. I'm not going to tear the doors off the hinges. I'm not going to knock out the windows. Not going to let the kids tear the place up. That's how I'm going to let my light shine. Praise God. You tear up his property, won't pay the rent, move out after night, go out beating your bills. Don't you go back testifying to him. You ain't got nothing to say. Praise God. I'm going to tell you right now, Bill Beaters can't go to heaven. I'm going to say it again, Bill Beaters can't go to heaven. 
I'm going to tell you, cheaters can't go to heaven. You don't build a solid basis in your financial life if you don't get your job and pay your bills. You keep yourself always in financial hot water and the creditors are calling at your door and are knocking on your door and ringing your doorbell. Riding your credit card living above your means. Spending more money than you bring in. Bringing reproach on your church. You ain't going nowhere till you learn something. Now we're quiet right now. I got about five or six minutes. Praise God. Oh, Brother Muncie, I thought that just as long as I shouted and talked in tongues, that's all that was really important. Just so long as I shouted every time I come to church. No, no, there's some things that you, you need to build. And that's why that some of those that shouted that you know about and run around the church that you know about it are, are no longer there is because they never built these relationships. They never put these pillars in. One day it caved in. One day it blew over. One day it fell down. Because they never built it. This is good preaching. Person that doesn't build his spiritual house strong, one day it's going to collapse. It's going to collapse. It's going to fall in. Storm will come. Praise God. Saints, it's foolish to live above your means. Foolish to try to keep up with the Joneses. Somebody said every time that you catch up with the Joneses, they go refinance. Got to hold it over again. Foolish to do that. Praise God. Could we just raise our hands and love the Lord? Oh, oh, oh.